Welcome to the Council Chair Leadership Series, Information and Strategies to Lead Effectively, a national training program for people who have been elected or appointed to serve in the position of chair for their state or territory council on developmental disabilities. The ITAC is funded by the Administration for Community Living, Office of Intellectual and Developmental Disabilities. We work together to support a national network of state and territory DD councils to enhance their leadership, improve outcomes and impacts, and ensure compliance is met. Welcome to today's podcast. My name is Cheryl Matney, and I'm the director of the Information and Technical Assistance Center for Councils, more commonly called ITAC. On this episode, you will hear from current and former chairpersons of DD Councils. They will discuss ways to engage council members in the work, the importance of listening, reaching consensus, diversity, and cultural competence. Matthew Shapiro is my next guest. Matthew is a former chairperson of a DD Council, and as a person with a disability, Matthew has spent most of his life motivated to teach those he has met how to better understand the disability community and inclusion. Through this work, it has become his life's mission to educate others regarding disability-related issues. With this thought in mind, in December of 2014, Matthew created Six Wheels Consulting. He has worked with both the private and public sectors to expand their understanding of disabilities and inclusion to give them the tools they need to use in any environment. Matthew has had the privilege of sitting on a number of disability-related boards. He has spoke at a number of conferences, both locally and nationally, and we are so proud he is part of our DD Network uh, Caucus of DD Chairs, DD Council Chairs. Thanks so much for being here today, Matthew. Super excited, Cheryl. I, I'm, thank you for that awesome introduction. That was wonderful. I couldn't have said it any better myself, uh, but but very excited to be with you uh, today and, and having a wonderful conversation about uh, very important work. Thanks, Matthew. I'd love for everyone to hear your thoughts and ideas about how to help a council chairperson in their role. What advice? Let's just start with your biggest advice about someone to give to someone who is taking on the role of council chairperson. Yeah. So a couple of things come to mind. So first, I would say have an open mind, right, because you are going to uh, have a number of different people on your council that have n a number of different backgrounds, be it a parent of a person with a disability, people with disabilities themselves, somebody as part of a state agency. Um, so they are going to, to come at issues uh, from a number of different ways. So be open-minded. You know, you can have your own opinions, but as chair, right, like you kind of have to orchestrate the whole uh, metaphorical band, so to speak, right? So, so be open-minded and listening to all views. And then another really, really important thing is to have uh, a really, really strong connection with the executive director of your board, uh, because they are going to be your right-hand person. Uh, you're going to have regular contact with them. And so you want to have a really, really strong working relationship so that you can bounce ideas off of each other. Uh, they can reach out to you when, when, there's an issue on the board, 
um, and and you can work together to make sure uh, the work is done in a in a manner that is good for the entire board. Boy, those are two very important bits of advice. I appreciate you sharing that. You've had a lot of experience in working with others, both as chair of the D of a DD council and in other leadership roles. So yeah. I'm, I'd like to ask you about some tips and strategies that a council chair can use um, as they're working with their own council members to kind of you know, when council councils take up important issues and they need to reach some agreement. And I think sometimes people call that consensus. Can yeah. you tell us what consensus really is? Yeah, I think it's a matter of of getting to an answer that everyone wants. Right. And uh, whether that be, look, we have to get everybody into a room and have a really important conversation on what is the what is the positive outcome for the DD council, right? Um, again, you have to sort of leave your own personal wants, desires, and needs sort of at the door when you're coming into your council meetings. Um, and you have to think about yourself as a part of a whole, right? You, yes, you can certainly um, advocate on behalf of, your views, right? I, you know, I was always going in there thinking about what can we do for young people, right? As somebody who, you know, when I was on the board, I was in my late twenties, you know, and I'm really, my passion is thinking about youth advocacy and how can we engage youth in all of the work that we're doing. And so I was always trying to, uh, think about that, but I also knew I had, we had to get to consensus of what the board wanted. So, and we have to think about what our funders want, right? Because we have different, uh, you know, we're funding projects as a board. We have funding requirements that are coming in from you all and, and from other places. And so there are a number of elements that tile that together. And so in order to get consensus, right? You, you have to sort of check your ego at the door, right? And think about what is, what is the end goal? Like, is this part of our strategic plan, right? And, mm -hmm. and are, are we fulfilling requirements of our strategic plan in this action that we're taking? And if we are, right, are we doing it in the right way? And if we're not, then we need to pivot and, and, make sure that we're staying in line of that strategic plan. So it's, you have to get consensus, but you also have some guardrails, right? With your strategic plan, with our funders, with, uh, with the funding that we are providing as a DD council um, that you have to keep in mind. And so I, ideally, right, you want consensus, but you also have those guardrails that sort of help keep you um, in, in tow, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense. So, so it sounds like it does not mean that everybody has to vote yes on something or people just need to be able to have their say. I've heard other chairs say it's important to let everybody express their point of view. Yeah. But when people, when the council makes a decision, then 
that's the decision. Right. And, and you kind of, yeah, and you kind of roll with it, right? No pun right. intended. Um, um, you uh, you kind of roll with it, and um, because we have those guidelines of the of the our strategic plan and what we have to do, right? We have our goals within our strategic plan, and so again, we want to make sure um, that all of the projects we're doing, all of the grants that we're taking on, all of the um, efforts that we're making are in line with that strategic plan. But to your point, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not listening to everyone or hearing from everyone. During my time on the board, as chair and in other roles, I, I was fortunate enough to serve a number of roles on the board, you know, there would have been things that I don't necessarily agree with, but I, I always sort of took um, took the mindset of like, okay, if majority rule says that we we go with this and the majority of the boards on board, like while I may disagree with some elements, right. I, th I think we all have the same common goals and desires at the end of the day, right. We want to do what's best for um, our state and our, and the work that we are doing. And so you sort of um, you go with the flow, so to speak. Yeah. And, and I think where the debate really happens is in your committee, <clears throat> your committee meetings. Right. And, you know, that's where you're really able to, to um, pound the table. Right. And say, Hey, like, you know, I, I don't think this is a positive out outcome for young people. I don't think that this is a, uh, a positive outcome for people with disabilities in our state. And, if people agree, great. If they don't, then you, you, you know, I would never want to be one to be, I am fine being the squeaky wheel and I'm fine um, debating and, and, you know, pounding that table in the right course of action. Uh, but I also know that I don't want to be the sole person um and the sole cog that is not allowing the DD council to move forward. Um, if we get to the point where the majority of consensus is in agreement of, of an action that we wanted to take. Yeah, that's, that's really wise advice. I know that the chair oftentimes has to take on a few different roles. Um, and of course it sounds like, you know, you've been talking really, I think about, a facilitation role, really yeah. trying to manage discussions um, around something and make sure that all of your members can can have an opportunity to have a say on an issue. Um, and I think, um, is there a role as an educator, like, um, you know, helping people understand uh, that they may not get everything they want here, but yeah, I, I do think there's an element to that, right? And I think that goes back to having a really strong relationship with your executive director, right? Because then that that becomes a situation where you, your executive director, your executive council on on your council can work to be those educators, right? Um, uh, and, you know, I, I will say... Um, on our board in the state that I am in, 
we worked really well together. All of us really worked very well together. And there was very, we had tough conversations, but at the end of the day, right, we got to the right answers that we felt were appropriate for, for our constituents and our people in our state. Um, and so, but yeah, there's an element of that, that you have to help your board get the right information that they need, whether that comes from the executive director, right. And, and the staff that is hired by the executive director to, to, to get us, you know, a lunch and learn session that's educating us about something, or, uh, I certainly don't claim to know all of the answers, right. So as, as a former chair, I was really intentional about leaning on staff and leaning on the executive director and leaning on board members who um, have more time in, uh, in, in the disability fight in the DD council world. Um, I don't know everything, but I, I know that I have people on my board that if I don't know the answer, either my executive director does, our executive council does, our staff members do, right? This is what they do every day. You know, we're meeting once a quarter, right? We have a lot to get o go over. Um, you know, the state that, that we're in is, is a very active, uh, a very active state. And we always have a lot on our agendas, right? It's a, it's a, it's a full day, um, event right and for some it's a two-day event because they travel in from different parts of the state and so how you know how we all work together to get to those final answers uh is really important and i think having the staff and the and the right people in place uh only helps you be uh a most successful and a most um effective and efficient council yeah, I love um, what you said about really leaning on people. Um, again, I think you're reinforcing leave your ego at the door. If you think you know everything, you probably don't. <laughs> and you can't. And you can't. You can't. <laughs> you can't, right? Because our um, the disability community in all of our states, all of the all of the organizations that are tied to that, all of the state agencies. Everything is so vast. So oh, you yeah. can't know everything about everything, right? And so being comfortable to lean on people like we like we've been talking about is is so important because you're not going to know everything and you can study all you want and you can read everything before committee meetings but there's a lot of information to know and you're going to miss things when uh here and there. And that's well, okay too. It is okay. And I think, you know, when we look back at the, at just the way the council is constructed with, you know, people with lived experiences as people with developmental disabilities, family members of people with developmental disabilities, parents of children with developmental disabilities. And then we bring all of these agency folks to the table who have been in the system providing services, what a rich experience to be able to, you know, tell each other what's working well, what needs to be improved. And let and then the council gets a pile of money to go do some creative things 
to make it work. So thanks to thanks to your organization and our federal funders, we really appreciate that. <laughs> um, um, and and here's the other, you know, you you broke down really nicely, like the the different variety of people, right? And you talked about uh, parents and and young people themselves, right? And and really anybody on the board, they're going to come at that experience at a different place than the next person sitting next to them, right? Like you could have a parent who has a five year old that they're advocating for. And, you know, they're, they haven't gone through all the trials and tribulations yet of, of navigating school or, um, you know, navigating work or, uh, you know, services and, and adulthood services. Cause um, I know particularly in our state, like our adult services, uh, we have work to do. Um, I love our adult services and I work with all of them, but I know, and this is not me speaking, uh, negatively by any means, right? But we have a wait list and we have uh, a lot of room for improvement as I, as I would think many states do. Um, Absolutely. Uh, but, but, then, but then you have me who I'm, you know, at the time in my late 20s, right? And I've been through all the, all the ups and downs, right? And so you, you have different perspectives um, that are, that make it really rich to your point a minute ago. Absolutely. I, I love the, the way, um, councils have that opportunity, but I think, you know, we, a lot of times we talk about the importance of listening and certainly you've mentioned it, um, you know, in your remarks, uh, as just your best advice to chairs is really, you know, take a breath. Um, you probably don't know everything and that means you need to listen, but I think it also is, it's definitely one of the most important skills, but, and I can see how it's important for the chair because, you know, the membership really looks to the chair and feel responsible to the chair to make sure that they're views are being heard, but also it's a great time for the chair to model some really good behaviors and effective listening to the chairs. So um, can you share some tips um, for other chairs on effective listening? Yeah. So I think the first thing you can say, and I'm going to say this as nicely as possible is stay quiet, right? As I am, I think Cheryl, we've we've known each other for a while, right? I think people in my state know that uh, I am very outspoken and I am very um, passionate about this work, and I am not afraid to speak my mind, ruffle feathers, and do what needs to be done to help support the DD community in our state. But and so I'll go in there guns a blazing anytime I need to, but as chair, right, it's important that I don't do that, right? And and again, that's where, yes, I have my own opinions, but, and I can share them at times, but I need to listen to your point. I need to listen to what the rest of the board wants, because there's different parts of the state that are getting affected by, you know, we have rural areas, we have, we have city areas, we have, um, places that have a lot of resources. We have places that have no resources. And so I have to be able to listen. And luckily the decisions are not all on my shoulders, right? It's on our, it's on the board shoulders, 
But I have to be able to listen and help to, to your point, be the tip of the spear, right, in sort of um, leading the board in those right directions. Um, I have to be able to um, listen in group settings. I have to be able to listen in one-on-one settings, right? There were a lot of times when uh, a board member was frustrated with something or they were having issues. And so as chair, they would come to me and, and uh, vent in, in, a very, in a very appropriate way, right? Um, but you have to... You have to wade through that and you have to uh, you have to listen to your to your executive direct. Like I think in a lot of settings, right? And this is something I still am learning as a former chair, as a business owner, as somebody that is still growing at, at a very still young age, right? Like I have to remember to keep my mouth shut, right? And to um to listen first and then jump in when I think it's appropriate. Again, still a skill. I am, I do some, I do good at it sometimes and I don't do good at it other times. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things, you know, listening, you, we have to practice listening and that's just it practice every day. And I heard um, someone uh, t- told me, well, just think about it in terms of you have two ears and one mouth. So you should listen twice as much as you speak. And so yes. I always remember that and think, yes. okay, I've got to hush. <laughs> yes. And again, as somebody that's really opinionated, that's hard to do sometimes. Yes, it is. Just bite that tongue. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I do know that I've heard other chairs um, talk about you know, they have a they're responsible to the membership and the membership is responsible to the chair. Um, And that oftentimes the chair is the person who's really communicating with council members. Um, What are your thoughts on the chair being approachable and available to the members? I I think that's vital, right? Like, and I think that's vital in any setting, be it a DD council or if you're leading an organization or you're, you know, running a business or you're in a relate, like any kind of relationship, you have to be approachable, right? I think to, to be closed off in any way, particularly in this work with DD councils, like how is that, what, what is that going to, what is that going to accomplish? Right. Because, because work in DD councils is so collaborative right? It's not, a, it's not, it's not a dictatorship. It's a democracy, right? And it's, it's again, what is best for the constituents of our given states. And so I tried my very best to be approachable, right? I had people call me, right? Um, to be very honest with you, a lot of, a lot of our staff in our state did a lot of the heavy lifting, um, which we are we're, we were very very grateful for right they would get our our board packets ready they would um get they would set the agendas and I would you know I would approve them right but like for the most part staff and 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 the executive director are doing all that and so that freed me up to talk to board members if need be right like I I always made myself available mm-hmm. 
and they would come to me when they needed and they wouldn't when they didn't. So um, I, I think that's super important in a collaborative uh, type of environment that you have to open yourself up to that. Yeah. And I think that really embodies that, you know, when you come into it with a very open mind, people feel comfortable that they won't be judged or that their idea won't be thought silly or their point of view might be disregarded. I mean, all of that comes down to some basic respect um, issues. And I know in our world, when we talk about um, just diversity and inclusion, right? Um, that people are respected enough there. Um, and when we talk about cultural competence, I know, um, you know, in our world, that includes the variety of disabilities because disability uh, to us is our culture and that we do have to have that respect of that point of view. Um, do you have some thoughts on what the chair needs to know about diversity and cultural competence? I mean, I think, right, your DD councils can probably be one of the most diverse groups you're ever going to come across, right? You're going to have parents, you're going to have youth, you're going to have uh, uh, service workers, you're going to have agency folks. But even within those groups, right, you're going to have people with disabilities who are verbal. You're going to have people with disabilities who are not verbal. You're going to have people with different backgrounds. And so, yeah, it's important to the best of your ability, be able to know about the backgrounds and where the people are coming from, know about their disability backgrounds, and and set the standard that when you're in this room, no matter who you are, you're respected and your point is uh, and your, your views are valued. Um, the, the perfect example I can always give of that is struggles that I had are really, really for a long time when I first started getting into this work, be it disability or council work, right? Um, because I'm younger, right? I am, I'm in my early thirties, right? And so Typically, when I was around a table, right, it was with professionals who, as you said earlier, like have been in this field for for decades. Right. And and oftentimes I felt like. In DD councils and in other disability spaces, I at times felt like I was dismissed because, oh, what do you know? You're just a young runt that like. You know, I I have a PhD. I have all this stuff in this in this field. Like, what you have to say doesn't really um, impact me, right? And what I always tried to have to share with people is, frankly, my lived experience is ten times more important than what any book would ever tell you, right? Or what any degree would ever tell you. And so, I think it's really important to remember where people are, what value they bring to the table. And like that lived experience could be more valuable than what your PhD piece of paper says, right? Or what the textbook says. Um, and I think we have to remember that at the end of the day, all we're doing is for people, right? It's not a statistic. It's not a, here's what the data says about X, Y, Z. And, and frankly, like data always kind of drives me crazy personally. Um, 
yes, we need data to to back up our um, our research and and our investments, but behind the data are people, right? And I think mm-hmm. we have to remember the data is important, but what are we doing to best serve the people that's behind that data? Oh, that's right. And I think you know chairs are just in the a great position to be able to model respect can model what what the ideal culture you want your council to take up because i think members are watching leadership they want to see what the leader and the chair to them is their leader and yes. then of course they always look to the director as well and it's a great partnership between the chair and the director and yes. i know that um Speaking of data and research that you love so much, um, it is the number one key to success um, is, is the relationship between the chair and the director in any board kind of organization is the number one factor of success. So that's the data point I love. <laughs> I mean, I love that data. I support that data. I'll, I'll, I'll get down with that data. <laughs> Um, you know, I do appreciate you coming in today and sharing your thoughts and ideas and your just absolute wonderful advice. Um, I know that, you know, council chairs all over the country and in our territories will appreciate what you have been able to experience. And um, I know that anybody can contact you at any time and you are willing to share your thoughts and knowledge, but I know people will love hearing um, your message. So I do appreciate your time today, Matthew, and thank you for all of your insights. And I know that we'll keep uh, in touch. We'll be watching Six Wheels Consulting and all of your wonderful work. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much, Cheryl. It was a uh, it was a uh, wonderful to to catch up with you and and share some insights. And um, you know, yes, if I can help any other chairs or any other aspects of DD work, um, please let me know. My hope is to get back on our council at some point uh, in the in the near future, um, so we can continue that work. But we'll 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 cross that bridge when we come to it. But, uh, <laughs> Perfect. Thank you for your time and and uh, thank you for a wonderful conversation. My next guest is Wesley Witherspoon. Wesley is the current chairperson of the State Council on Developmental Disabilities in California. Prior to him serving as the council's chairperson, Wesley chaired the council's Employment First Committee. For the past 17 years, Wesley has been a consumer advocate at the University of Southern California University Center for Excellence in Developmental Disabilities. Wesley holds a Bachelor of Science degree in Psychology from Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, and he's received a number of awards and recognitions for his great work. Thanks for being here, Wesley. Thank you. Um, you know, you have had a lot of leadership roles um, throughout your time as an advocate. What, what is your best advice that you can give to other chairs of DD Council? So uh, my, my advice to other chairs is, is it takes time. Once, once I got appointed to the council, it, I, I got on. I, I, I tried running for chair one, one time. I didn't, didn't make it. So I ran two years later and I won. 
then I won again. So it, it takes time. So it doesn't happen overnight. It's, it's, it's going to be a slow process, but you, you, can, you can do it. And so when you say it, it takes time, when you're, when you're learning leadership skills, um, what kinds of things did you find that was most helpful? Was it watching others? Was it just jumping in and doing? What kinds of things did you experience to become the leader you are? To become a leader, you have to be a good listener. You have to be able to empathize with people. Empathize means you feel what the other person is feeling and just, just feel what they're feeling and when someone when someone says something that's not nice, don't respond back. Just take your time to think about it, and just listen to others. Listen to what what are the goals are, what what's what's going on in your state, and things like that. Oh, that's great! So, learning about the issues is I'm hearing is what you're thinking is real important, and staying calm. Um, you are calm as a leader. I've watched you lead, and being calm and listening is really key. Um, are there things that you have found that have helped you? as the council chair, get other members involved in the work? Everybody on the council have a voice. So make sure everybody's listened to. And I had some have members of public that gave me some problems, just listen to what their concerns are. Listen to other council members. If other council members have disagreements, just let them have disagreements and just run the meeting the way where it should. So how important is, um, you know, do you find that you have to tell people to respect each other? Is that important for a chair to say out loud? Yes, it's very important that people to respect one another, respect the people, people in the public, respect the council members, the executive directors or the staff. Just everybody has to respect each other. And that's. That's how we run a successful council. We, we have pe people that's disagreement. It undermines the meeting. So we have to make sure everybody get, gets along because it, when everybody gets along, it benefits everybody. When, when there's some people that disagree, it, it, affect, it affects everything. Well, that is true, Wesley. I know when we talk about um, diversity and we talk about including people, that also means that people are bringing different points of view to the table. It doesn't make them right. It doesn't make them wrong, but it is important for all of us to learn. Are there things that a chairperson can do that can really influence how a council approaches diversity and inclusion in the council's work? With, with inclusion, you, you make, sure, make sure everybody's heard of, make sure that family members are heard of, and make sure that self-advocates are heard from, and make sure that the staff is heard from, and make sure that the members of the public or whoever comes to me is heard of. Everybody is a part of it, and we, we, all, we all contributors. Everybody has an important voice. And and I know you mentioned public comment and in your council, I've I've had the privilege of attending a couple of your council meetings and you guys do a really big public comment that is part of your meetings. Um, when a chair is leading public comment, um, 
So I think you've said listening is really important and just showing people you care. Is that some of the things that other chairs should really be aware of when they're doing or handling a public comment period? Yes, other chairs should, should respect what, what people are saying and uh, people say what, what they want to say because everybody has a different, have a different opinion. And sometimes we disagree. It's okay to have disagreements because we're, we're, we're humans and we, we have different point of views. Yeah, and sometimes the public sees things differently from council members. So I can see how that might be really rich. If you, when you were coming, I know you still are grow. you know, we all can grow as a leader throughout our lifetimes, but thinking back to you really emerging as a, the leader you are today, did you get any good advice from somebody else that stuck with you and you carried it forward? Uh, so, so the advice I got is just, Everybody, everybody's a team. We're, we're all, we're all team players. We're all, we all contribute, and we all have a, a gift to give to the world. So, just listen, listen to everybody. And if you have disagreements, let them have disagreements, and just, just carry on your meeting. Yeah, there's no, there's no set answer, but I, I love your advice of really letting people have a say, which is, I think, one of the key ways that people feel that they are engaged because someone's listening and that they can have, have a meaningful contribution, which you've mentioned a couple of times. And then um, making sure that we understand everybody has a different lived experience and, you know, we can all learn from each other. I think those are really key points. Well, Wesley, thank you so much for being with us today. Your advice and your knowledge about what you've experienced as a chair will help other council chairs around the country and in the territories too. Um, so thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. Good, good luck with, with advocating for people with disabilities. Perfect. Thank you, Wesley. My next guest is Chris Grandy. Chris is former chair of the Pennsylvania Developmental Disabilities Council. He was appointed to the Pennsylvania Council by Governor Rendell in 2009. He served in several leadership roles, including being on the nominations committee where they recruit and recommend members to the council, the executive committee, and several work groups, and then was elected to serve as chair. Chris is an active member in his community, as well as other statewide committees, like the Special Education Advisory Panel, where his primary focus was transition. Thank you for being here today, Chris. Thanks. Chris, we've been talking with current and former chairs of DD councils from all over the country to get some information and advice from people like you who have served as chair. We want you to share your insights with other people who are now serving as chair of their DD council. When you think back to your time as chair of the Pennsylvania council, what did you like most? about being the chair? Because I always took after my dad. My dad was <laughs> like, 
Yeah, well, I took after my father. And your father, what I think you started going to council meetings early yes. as a young person when your father was chair. So you're leading quite the leadership legacy in your state. Yes, I am. So how did being chair help you be a better leader in your state? Recruit some new members to the council and things like that. I helped. I helped with the committees and stuff. And so, when yeah. when you were on leading those committees, um, did you did you have any things that you did to help people participate better besides being a good example? I helped recruit them to join the, the group. The entire group so that he can hear what I was going to say to them, all of them. And I tell them everything I knew. My dad knew right there, I knew it all. Absolutely. Um, when you think about how people work on committees, um, you know, I think most of most folks say listening to others is a real important thing to do. Would you agree with that? Yes, I will. And when you were working and leading committees, um, how did you make sure everybody had a chance to speak up? Do their half of the report and the other can fill in after that, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's great. Asking everybody to report, you know, the council being a voice and really working to better the lives of people with developmental disabilities. What would you tell other self-advocates about um, serving in leadership roles? Well, when I started being self-advocates, I recruited them into the group, and they, we always introduce them all so they can get to know each other. Oh, perfect. And did did you guys at the Pennsylvania Council make sure self-advocates had opportunities to, other than yourself, I know you're a self-advocate who actually led the council, but how did other self-advocates then, did they step up to lead as well? Yes, I did, but I, I had them to say their reports and same things like that. Yeah, so so it wasn't just you talking, you get other people a chance to have leadership roles? Yes. Perfect. Um, what advice would you give to other chair people about serving as chair? I know it probably took a lot of time and a lot of effort, but... What advice would you give them to help them be a better chair? Be patient. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Patience is a real skill in listening to people and helping people get their work done. What other thoughts do you have uh, for new chair people of DD councils that you want to share with them? Well, first we have to have them introduce their names to everybody and take time to listen to what they have to say. Chris, other chairs have shared their best advice, best thoughts about how to handle the responsibility of being the chair of a DD council. What are, what is your best best, best advice you have for other people who might be new to being a chair of a DD council? I, I want to be nervous at all. 
don't be nervous. And how do you do that? Do you just take a deep breath or you just remember that you're here to serve others and and help people with developmental disabilities lead a valued life in the community? How, it, what's, what was your motivation there? To help other people with disabilities. That's what I always do. Absolutely. Well, Chris, thank you so much for being here today. We really appreciate you joining us. But more importantly, we thank you for your service as chair for the Pennsylvania DD Council. To learn more about strategies to lead effectively, please visit our website. If you are interested in more information, we have three more podcast episodes on topics council chairpersons will find most helpful. Visit our website at itachhelp.org. There are training and resource materials and much more. So check us out. This podcast was supported through services funded by contract number HHSP 233201-6000-68C from the U.S. Administration for Community Living, Department of Health and Human Services, Washington, D.C., 20201, to provide training and technical assistance services to state and territory councils on developmental disabilities. The contents are those of the presenters and do not necessarily represent the official views of, nor an endorsement, by the ACL, HHS, or the U.S. government.